Blog Talk Radio. Hello, world, and you are listening to The Breakdown with Sharifa Hardy and Marvin Showtime Williams coming at you live weeknights at 9 p.m. We're here starting off a new show on this Monday night. Sharifa Hardy, how are you doing tonight? I am excellent, excellent, excited about this show and, and what we're going to discuss today. There we go. You must have, you see, you get the memo on all the things that we're going to discuss. I don't know why I get the memos late, but at the same time, I am prepared as you are. So who wants to kick it off, me or you? You get the memos late because you're always running up and down, back and forth. So the memo was on your desk. <laughs> you just didn't read it. But you were supposed to uh-huh. tell us today is President's Day. We were going to discuss President's Day. Remember, we had that cliffhanger and everybody was waiting to see what was going on? No? Oh, I remember. I remember that part. But I don't know if you wanted to leave it off because, truthfully, the cliffhanger was more. It was, you set it up, and I said, you know, we're going to see which way I was going to sway because you're like, I know, you know, are you with this president, that president, this, that, and the other? And we left it up in the air. Now here comes the bump, set, spike, volley, and now it's time to spike the ball and answer that question. So leading it off, it is President's Day, and um, I know we're going to have a lot of commentary tonight. Uh, you can start off because I know that you felt passionate leading into Friday night's close, but I can go just as easy. I did have a show topic today. Okay. We're we going to hold off on, on the uh, cliffhanger a little bit. I had okay, something that I wanted, to, I wanted to discuss with you. Okay. I don't know if you saw the All-Star game. I right. saw the All-Star game. Mm-hmm. And um, Fergie's performance. Now, I this is a discussion that we were mm-hmm. having um, in a group of people today. Mm-hmm. Do you do you feel it's appropriate for entertainers to add their own rendition of a um, classic? I actually do. I think classics change over time. I think that that while Fergie's rendition may have fell short to some, I know that without that uh, courage and leeway to change, whether it be Marvin Gaye to Whitney Houston, um, there is always a better version of a change to a classic rendition. But I know that if you actually look at, you know, I mean, whether it's the Star Spangled Banner, whether it's changes to O Canada, I mean, even though that felt a little bit conservative, um, even if I, I'll, I'll say this, Looking at the All-Star game, the All-Star game itself changed. It had a new format this year. But even if you look at players' clothes, you know, um, and the shorts, the jerseys, you know, Michael Jordan helped bring in a whole new level, level of style. So, you know, while Fergie's rendition may have not have been, you know, the crowd favorite, I do appreciate artists being able to be artists and take something as powerful, you know, as any kind of Star Spangled Banner, anything like that, and put their flair on it. That's why they're the artists. But however, I know that Fergie got some backlash because hers didn't necessarily it didn't it led to kind of like a bad joke almost. So that's what that is. Mm. Okay, I just wanted you know. to know because you're so creative and you work on so many different mm-hmm. projects, and I didn't. Mm-hmm. I just wanted your thoughts as far as taking a classic and you know putting your little spin on it. I hate I hate cookie cutter ideas. I don't think we evolve as people. The only problem is classic always gets into an argument like what's the classic? Because there'll be people who will say, oh, they love you know funny funny enough you know 
uh, when I was putting my little two cents into the Marvin Gaye movie, you know, his rendition, you know, went at, at the at the Inglewood Forum, right, which was, you know, which went down in history. People who actually, who, who were more conservative, felt like he did too much. While that is, mm. you know, a lot of people, a great version of that song. You get what I'm saying? So the, 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 what we, Michael Jackson, you name him, I appreciate the artist not being cookie cutter, being courageous enough to try. And I, 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 I give, I applaud Fergie for being a courageous, enough to, uh, a courageous enough to try, but she knows that her version didn't land well. She knows that she's going to get flack for it, but that's what artists are supposed to do. You know, artists are supposed to make, you know, when Picasso was alive, you know, a lot of people probably looked at his work like, uh, I don't know. Then later on, it's like, uh, I kind of feel it. It's it's like that with movies. You know, we'll have artists, directors, writers come out, and they'll what what are they? Okay, perfect example. You just not hit it nail on the head. When Jaden Smith played uh, the Ralph Macchio character in Karate Kid, the classic was Ralph Macchio and Pat Morita. That was the classic Karate Kid. But then we had now Jaden Taraji and Jackie Chan, right? And that one set in a different environment, but it was still the Karate Kid. A lot of people. They were like, oh, I don't know about this. Even Ralph, Ralph Macho was like, I don't know about Jaden doing a Karate Kid. Truthfully, there was isms over there about the black, the white, the younger kid, the little kid with the cornrows, Will Smith's kid. Um, but I thought Jaden did a great job as a Karate Kid. The, the, the tickets sold, and off we went with that. So there's always going to be an argument as to, you know, what we, what we believe as, as a classic. Um, that same argument is there even with basketball players. There'll people, there'll be people who are Magic Johnson fans, not as much, and and they're not as much Michael Jordan fans. And people, people, be people who are classic Michael Jordan fans, not so much LeBron and Kobe fans. Then you got the younger generation that are all about LeBron and Kobe, and then here comes Steph Curry. So, you know, classic is in the eye of the beholder. I appreciate the artist for trying. I do know that Fergie knows that she did not <laughs> kill this. At the All Star Game, she knows that, and but it's her, it's her job as an artist to um to put her spin on things because I do not think we would we would want any kind of classic that is exactly the same routine every time from an artist. There'll be no point. We might as well just let it play. We might as well just have a pre recorded version of the song and play that before every game. Right. So you have to allow for some creativity. Yeah, and you have to allow for some. Yeah, and you and, and the artist has to go in there knowing that they can get their head bit off too. That's just how that works. You know, the artist goes in there saying, "I'm gonna be creative," and they're allowed to be creative. Um, it's not like you know the commissioner of the NBA, the head of the NBA, didn't know what she was gonna do. The producers of the show knew what she was gonna do. They probably loved it because they knew it was gonna get some ratings. Like, oh, she about to just mess up. Because it's not like she just can go up there and do a sound check. We're we're in entertainment. You kids can't go over there and be like, "Oh, I'm gonna wing it." They have to hear a version of the song you're going to do, you know. So the the, the powers of be were in on that song, but you know they let her go fly, and they were just probably like, okay, Fergie. A perfect example is this: Pirates of the Caribbean with Johnny Depp too. Not saying that that is as historic or you know classical, but when he was coming in to play be the pirate, Disney wasn't necessarily all for him having like you know the eyeliner and being the drunken crazy pirate with the dreads. They're kind of like, mm, nah, they they they. They wanted like some like you know the Captain Rum dude, you know what I'm saying? They 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 didn't want the dreadlock drunk guy, um, but Johnny Depp killed it because he he brought the Johnny Depp character that he felt was true to him that he can put in Pirates of the Caribbean, and and it worked, you know. Um, 
I look down the line. I look even like with movies like The Matrix. You know, uh, I, Keanu Reeves was not even the first actor they had for The Matrix. So I think it was Will Smith, and he passed on it. And then here comes Keanu, but can we imagine the Matrix without Keanu? Would can you imagine with Will Smith? It's like you know the original writers of it. I think the Wachowski brothers would have. They saw Will Smith in it. That would have been their classical Matrix. We see Keanu. So uh, classical, classic is an eye be, is an eye beholder. It's always evolving through humanity. People have to accept that. I know there are traditions, but traditions change because last time I checked, me and you ain't going to work walking around, walking around no pyramids. And we ain't writing on no hieroglyphics, and we ain't rolling on elephants. So things change. That's just how it goes. Absolutely. So now you are producing, uh, mm-hmm. amongst other things, horror movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. you, there are some classics that you are um, working on or interested in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, what, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, are, I'm, I'm, I'm not. A, I'm not exclusively managed by a classic franchise, which is the whole Halloween franchise. So, you mm-hmm. know, from a fr- from a classic, see, this is the thing. I pay homage to the classics because without the classics, we don't have anything to step on, meaning we don't have anything to push us forward. You get what I'm saying? So we have to mm-hmm. have E.T. We have to have the Exorcist. We have to have Jaws. You can't run around disrespecting the classics either because just like we saw the All-Star game, you saw LeBron paying homage to Kareem, Jerry West, you know what I'm saying? And... um well, sitting there, there's a third. I forgot. But the point is, you can't. We can't. We can't get Steph Curry without Michael Jordan, without Akeem Olajuwon, without Magic Johnson, without Larry Bird, without you know what I'm saying, without everybody. Ray Allen. You know what I'm saying? We can't get Steph Curry without those guys. And just like me as a filmmaker, I can't be. I'm not going to be. I, what would I have as my inspiration if there were no movies that predestined what I do? You know. So what are some movies that really inspire you? Oh, I love everything. I mean, I'll go, I'll, I'll go, I'll pick some movies. I don't know if people see Denzel Washington and Cry Freedom when he plays Stephen Biko, the um, yeah. the activist. Yeah, I love, I love Biko. Um, I, I mean, I love Denzel in a few things. I think Denzel is such a phenom. He's a phenom that kind of gets it, even though it's kind of funny because if you look at Denzel, he kind of has a certain Denzel portrayal that he brings into every film but the funny thing is that character works it's like a timeless character you know mm-hmm. um I, lo- I like things like forrest gump i love et i can watch jaws a ton but then at the same time you know when you look at like 12 years of slave when you see movies that um the color purple um all the way to fast and furious i'm an actual fan of the business uh right now i'm looking at i'm enjoying uh the rocks romp through hollywood with everything he's doing with jumanji knowing he's going to come with Rampage and, um, um, I believe, Skyscraper. You know, I, I, I look at Kevin Hart's Ascension. I remember standing in on a TV show called Barbershop for Omar Goody. It was, getting produced by, it was produced by Ice Cube, and it was Barbershop for HBO. And I remember standing in for Omar, and I remember Kevin Hart, before he was Kevin Hart, running around just blah, 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 blah. And Kevin just seemed like this crazy, dope ball of energy that couldn't be shut down. And I took notice of him because I was like, this dude right here, this set isn't big enough for him. You know what I'm saying? Um, he's just on fire, you know, and that's why when I look at Kevin right now, I don't know Kevin at all like that, and he wouldn't even remember me because it was not like we had any kind of interaction. I just remember his energy. It was just so profound. It was bigger than the show. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, I, I but going back to your question, which which films? Um, I have a ton of films that I like. Um, I, I like the Oceans franchise. Um, I like a few franchises, actually. Uh, and I draw 
I draw my creativity from from a lot of them. Tell you the truth. So you have a new movie that's coming out this year, mm-hmm. correct? I have a couple of movies coming out this year. The first one's going, to, yeah, the first one's going to be um, debuting in the Philippines. It's called uh, Butanding. It's actually about, um, it's about. I don't know if anybody knows this, but the overseas workers in the Philippines, um, that that that's a real situation. So millions of Filipinos are actually displaced around the world, and they work um, in better economies, and they send the money home. So in this film, we have a character who does exactly that. She has to leave her child behind and leave for the Americas and go work and send her money back home, making the ultimate sacrifice. And when she goes home, it's kind of like her family turns their back on her because she was not there. She was distant. But the kids don't realize that the mother has to leave to create a better source of income for them. So that movie um, also um, tells in parallel the story of whale sharks and how, you know, they come back to the same breeding grounds every year, how they leave and go pretty much around the world and they come back to the Philippine, Filipino, the Philippine islands. And by the way, there's like 7,000 islands in the Philippines. But um, that's one. Bhutaning is one. And then, and then the horror film is going to be funny because we're going to go from that movie and then boom, here we go. Um, we have a film uh, captured, which is a horror thriller. And that'll be hitting screens also later in the year. And I'm trying to sneak another one in before the close of the year. Um, if I can, it's going to be a little bit tough, but um, there's two that we're looking at right now to go into pre-production on. But Bhutanding and Captured are going to be the ones definitely for this year. And then I'll finish up um, writing on, it looks like, the Marvin Gaye movie, the Wu-Tang movie. And if we can ever get this Curtis Blow movie done, that'll be something great. Okay. And mm-hmm. you've been talking about the Marvin Gaye movie. I'm definitely excited about mm-hmm. seeing that one. And, and so that'll be sometime in next year, a couple of years. Well, the Marvin Gaye movie, people don't really realize that the we I wrote on the first one that was shot in Europe, and that starred Jesse Martin mm-hmm. from Law and Order, and um, he did a great job as Martin. I mean, I have the footage, and um, uh, that was produced under Vassal Benford. He's a guy who found an amazing music producer. He found uh, Tony Braxton, amongst other things, produced on way back with New Jack City with Mark Canton. Uh, Mark Canton is the producer from 300 and The Immortals, amongst many other movies, and. Um, you know, Marvin was, this was a, uh, the, the slice of Marvin's life actually shot in Europe. And I remember sitting down with Marvin Gaye III, you know, over this film. And also Mario Van Peebles. I sat with Marvin, Mario in his house, and we went over a few things for this storyline. But that, this, this slice of pie about Marvin that was shot in the European segment of his life, um, that was shot, done. And then this film, I guess, that at the end of the day, the producers didn't feel that encapsulated everything. So here we go. Um, here we go now, about to go and deliver another Marvin Gaye production, which is going to have an even higher budget, um, and be shot in the States, um, Detroit, and, and of course, you know, we're writing more of a period piece, of course we have to, because it's Marvin's life, so it's not contemporary, because, you know, of course Marvin passed, so we have to put that whole thing together and that should be um, even more fun because it's kind of like we have an advantage. We already shot one version and now we get to shoot another version. And I wish the first version would have encapsulated more, but I came on as a writer a little bit later, but if it would encapsulated more then I know that we would have hit theaters with this one over here. But I already knew from reading the first script, no disrespect to Julian and those guys who worked on the first film. I just knew that it was probably going to need more of Marvin's story from the U S 
stateside, and it didn't have that, so it felt a little bit empty, and it felt also a little bit foreign, and it wasn't the true depiction of how prolific Marvin Gaye was. And I was named after Marvin Gaye, so you know, I, 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 had, I hold a special interest to that film as well. But um, in reading the first script, I knew we were going to have to add more. I was blessed enough to add more. But I, even with my writing, I knew it wasn't going to be enough. The whole film had to be restructured, and that's what's going on right now. So I'm hoping that we can get through it um, this year in the summer and then have a wonderful um, launch. Now, that film is going to be award-worthy, I already know, because of the producers involved. So I know that it's going to be out. If it comes out, it's going to have to be a, it's going to have to be a 2019 film, and it's going to have to be something that's going to run for um, you know, the festivals, whether it's Sundance, Sundance, Cannes, what have you. Wow. So you have two coming out this year and mm-hmm. a few more that are in the can. For filmmakers who oh, are listening, what are... Mm-hmm. Yes. So for filmmakers who are listening, what are some words of advice or encouragement that you have um, for starting on a project? Don't listen to anybody because it's really your story. I would love to, you know, I've been asked to speak at a few different colleges and, you know, you see people looking at you like, oh, what, how do I make it? And the truth is this, is that there's a ton of kids graduating. There's a ton of kids getting off the bus who want to write and direct and act and the whole night. Hollywood is so seductive. I mean, you and I are both in it. And, um, I mean, look at our radio show. So Hollywood is a story about what you bring. Much like Fergie gave her rendition, you know, um, we're talking about the All-Star Game and music. It's, it's the same thing in film. Like, you have to bring you. Like, there will be, never be another Michael Jackson. There will never be another Stevie Wonder. You have to bring you into this wonderful collaborative art and just see how well you fit. I don't think there is a, the perfect slice of pie that says, oh, if you do these things, you're going to make it. Because I've seen some people do some pretty, like, you know, unorthodox things, and they get their story told. So I think you just have to have the courage to come in, you know, really um, – I think, I guess, you know, let me, let me, let me contradict myself. There is some advice I can give. It's to like really respect who's come before you so you can learn the craft, but still provide your version of the craft. We, there, there's no need for copycat because you'll get called out on that pretty quickly and have the courage to tell you, you know, your own unique story. Much like what I'm looking at Marvel with Black Panther right now. You know, you're, you're looking at, um, you're looking at um, the Marvel universe is a predominantly white universe, you know, white male universe. And then for now, Black Panther to come out, you know, um, a lot of people will say, well, how does that fit? How does that work? But it works because it's the art form. It's still, it's art, it's film. And obviously there was a vacuum. That's the reason why, you know, there's so much attention to Black Panther because it's also dealing with an underserved market. Uh, and that's an example of, you know, going and still making, still looking at the Marvel universe before Black Panther, looking at everything from Iron Man, what have you. You know, everything, everything Marvel from Guardians of the Galaxy on down and looking at Thor and staying within the universe, but doing it different, doing it from a different, um, a different POV. And um, that's what those guys, I believe, executed, uh, executed pretty darn well. So you talked on the earlier show and you mentioned Mm -hmm. yesterday that you began in entertainment as background, doing background work. Mm -hmm. What was your, your first? Um, project or a first time when you kind of had that I've arrived feeling. The funny thing is, I was on a, I was on two shows that said I arrived. One was Pleasantville, which starred Paul Paul Walker, 
And I remember that one because I was late to set. I, I've always been late to set. Like, anybody who knows me, is like Marvin, even when he was background, he was like baby Spielberg mode. He's like late to set. Like, you know me when I'm just calling in for the show. So it's kind of like, here comes this guy. He's background, which means I'm at the bottom of the bottom of the bottom of the pit. And I'm still thinking that I could arrive. And I'm not arriving late on purpose. I just can't get my stuff together sometimes to be there on time. So I get to Pleasantville, and I remember the ADs and everybody saying, oh, we like your energy, this, that, and the other. Because I know one thing, entertainment is all about energy. So I get there, and they're like, oh, we love your energy, and they start sticking me in scenes. And it's the same thing that happened for me on Moesha. I remember I, my, my manager at the time put me into, like, this show. It was, a, it was one of the episodes to where this guy gets kicked off the Crenshaw team for having bad grades. And I remember my, my manager had put me in there as a guy. It was a non-speaking role, but it was featured. And then when I got there, I remember, like, the um, – I remember the, the guys who were doing the choreography for the basketball team, they were like, nah, nah, that's not you, that's not you. So I'm a humble dude. So I was like, okay, well, my manager told me that I'm that guy, but you guys are telling me I'm not, so it's okay. Um, and then they kicked me off the basketball team altogether. I remember this was funny. <laughs> They're like, no, you're not even on the basketball team. I was like, oh, okay, but they, my manager told me I'm on the basketball team and I'm that dude. Now I'm not that dude and I'm not even on the team no more. So they stuck me in the cafeteria, right? And just like, and just with general population, the background, I'm 50 deep. And it was crazy because I remember I used to pride myself on having this real fresh little green guest outfit. I don't know why I thought it was fresh because when I look at it now, it made me look like I'm a lima bean. But mm-hmm. I liked it back then. And I remember I had that thing on, and I'm still standing at, like, 6'2", so, you know, the average background dude wasn't that tall. I guess they put me in general population. And the director was like, you, in the green. And I was like, huh? I was like, oh, here we go again. Because I was like, after I got demoted from basketball, getting kicked off the team, I thought I was about to get kicked out the cafeteria. But then he was like, <laughs> no, he was like, you, come here. And so I, I came over. I think this was Ralph Quiles. I forget which director this was. And he was like, yeah, 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 I want you to be – on the team, and you're getting kicked off the team. And I looked at the dude, the choreographers, and I was like, and I, and I had to do this because it was just so funny. I let her take jabs when I shouldn't, but I did. And I was like, oh, but you know what? But they told me that I was not on the team. <laughs> and they made it clear I was not even on the basketball team. I should just be in the cafeteria. And they were looking at me like, no, 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 don't do that right now. So I did that, and they were, he was like, who told you that? And I said, the guys, the coaches. He was like, no, 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 forget that. So then they pushed me right back, and then I got my little feature situation. And then I would always kind of get bumped up and bumped around to where even when like Kiefer Sutherland would, on 24 would try to get me lines, Rob Morrow from Numbers would try to give me lines. And then I started booking like auditions and stuff, but I just know that I'm a high-energy person. I don't think that I'm, uh, I don't think I'm special in any regard other than I just try hard. So when like, you know, even for this show, you know, it's like, you know, it might not seem like it, but, you know, we try hard. We're always going to come with a certain level of energy and fun and information. And I know that right now people are listening. They're like, well, what's this show about? Because it's a lot of you and Sharifa talking. But that's, that's very much the truth. I'm really just <laughs> trying to make sure that I have the show in my schedule of life. You get what I'm saying? Because the most mm-hmm. important thing, um, like I told my kid, my kid, well, I remember when he was a sophomore in high school. And I would tell him, look, bro, right now you suck. You do. And your mentality oh, wow. sucks. It does. No, it does. I mean, you suck and it sucks. Let's just be real because, see, this is what I don't like. I don't like when people, like when I first started my production company, I used to tell people, I suck. Like, I'm not good. Like, I'm really not good. I wouldn't tell clients that. I would tell clients more the positive. But I would tell the people close to me, like, I suck. You know, I'm not that good at this. I got to work hard. And I would tell my kid, I'm like, look, man, I'm not going to gas you up and say that you're great because you're not. 
because I'd be an insult to, you know, my friends who went and played professional football. I was definitely a professional football contending athlete. So I was like, no, you're not there. Your mental is not there. I'm going to let you know exactly where you are so that you can step forward. And I said, one of the hardest things in any sport or anything in life is simply showing up for practice. You'd be very surprised about how you can win by simply showing up for practice. It doesn't mean that you got your A game. It doesn't mean you're the nicest. You're not dunking on nobody. You're not doing anything razzle-dazzly on a football field. You're just showing up for practice. That one makes you committed. That two makes you a part of practice so you can help the better players. It does so many things for you to show up for practice, and then you can learn. So that's how I take the show. No, we're not over here. We're not the Steve Harvey show. We're not the Big Boy show. We're not the Oprah Winfrey show. We're none of these shows. That doesn't mean we can't be great and we, can, we can't be successful like those shows. It just means that that's not us right now. Today, the Marvin and the Sharif show or the Sharif and Marvin show, the breakdown, whatever people call it, we're not that show right now, but we're showing up for practice. We're showing up for game day. And that's the most important because the same kid who took the philosophies of going step by step, and the reason why I say, you know, break it down to where you are, be very honest with yourself where you are, is because if you lie to yourself, and like I told my kid, I said, if you lie to yourself and call yourself an all-star, real coaches from Division One, even the pros, will look at you and be like, you're not an all-star, you're just lying. But if you really look at yourself and say, okay, I'm right here, well, then you can take a truthful, honest step forward because your foundation under your feet is correct. It's strong. You have a real foundation. I look at many businesses, and you probably see the same thing. I look at many businesses, and their, their eyes are no, they're, 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 they're not being honest with themselves in terms of where they're at. So they can never really move honestly forward. Now, that same kid went from sucking, went from being on the bench, went from being water boy to being the only kid two years later who would graduate as a senior as only two kids getting a scholarship for football. That same kid would go on to play for the East Coast. That same kid, we kind of rejiggered him to come and play for a JC because he felt like he was better than D3, and he was. And now he has a full-ride scholarship to a Division II college which is still has a side set on the NFL. And because I know how the system works, he's a contender. So you're taking a kid who sucked as a sophomore, who's now literally on the path of an NFL career and who's already getting like, you know, nationwide um, attention for his abilities. So, but, it, but it's not because he's great. He didn't start off great. He started off sucking. He was horrible, but he came to practice. He went to work every day. He committed himself and then he began to learn. He learned off, learned off better, better players. And, 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 and he, I was at his games when he was a water boy. I was. I, I'm, I'm at his game where he's a water boy or whether he's the best player on the planet. So when he was a water boy, I said, you better be the best water boy you can be, bro. And he was only water boy for a game, and I know it was because he was hurt. But I was like, you better be the best water boy you can be if I'm here. You know, so, I mean, you better, I mean, because you got to still serve the teammates who are on that field trying to do something, you know. So I'm all about – being the team player, and right now, I'm not going to say that we suck because we have too much talent to suck as a radio show. Um, we have more prerequisites than us than my son has as a football player. Um, we do, but on the flip side of things, are we the most – do we have all the, the celebrity guests? No. Do we have the format every day? No. But are we showing up for work every day? Yes. Are we coming to practice every day? Yes. And um, are we dropping graphics on people? Yeah. Are you looking at the show's – Topics of the day, yeah, and like when you look at this show like six months from now, we would have been had celebrity guests because we have celebrity friends who will do the show like in the next few weeks. We have um, business owners who will, who will be on the show. We have people who, like, you know, I have friends of mine who have like produced amazing albums for some of the biggest stars, and they'll do the show. 
like so it's not like we're going to be giving people anything less than what they need you know i think people who listen to this show are going to be able to go from episode one and be like you know what because it's a podcast right we got to keep it real they're going to be like what better way to see two business consultants literally go from an idea that was nothing to now all of a sudden having like um, VIPs and celebrities and people who the world admires now calling into this show. You got to realize we started this show from damn near zilch, and I'm just happy that we can come into practice every day because that's one of the biggest riddles to me is just show for work every day and you can get promoted. But if you don't show up at work, you're in trouble. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Okay. So if you are just now tuning into the show, you missed the first 30 minutes of the breakdown with Sharifa Hardy and Marvin Williams. If you are listening to the show on your computer and you'd like to Join the conversation. Feel free to give us a call at 646-564-9989. Again, that number is 646-564-9989. And if you like to just listen to the show, that's fine. But to join the conversation with your question or your comment or just to jump in the studio with Sharif and Marvin, please press 1. So we gave out the, the information. We told them told our listeners what the show is about. We're, we're in practice. Is that what we're doing now? We're practicing mm-hmm. for, for the big, we're, we're, for the we're, big game? We're, yeah, because our big game days are when we have our callers calling in and when we have the celebrity callers calling in. See, I don't think people know. You know how Oprah knew she, what she was? You know, she would go to work, did, did her show, and she just gave herself and America responded. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I know mm-hmm. we have great information. And the reason why I know we have great information is because we've eaten off of our information. Me and you talk mm-hmm. a lot. You yes. know what I'm saying? And we talk to people all the time. We, well, a lot of times we're feeding other people our inspiration that we already have in ourselves, right? And right. we're feeding into them like we're, we're the gas station, right? Now, right. this is just the most efficient way to do the job. Instead of us dealing with one client, our client now is our advertisers, right? And we're really giving to the right. people. It's just a way better business model than us giving to, say, one client. You know, you're going to be over there. You're going to help TV shows, Sharifa. You're going to have radio shows. You're, going to, you're a successful grow and grow and grow. I'm going to have these movies drive. We're going to do these things. We're going to do those things. But at the end of the day, the reason why I love this show and the reason why I call in, even if it's a minute ahead of schedule or two, is because <laughs> this show is not for us like it is. But just like I tell my son when he plays football, it's not for you. You're there to entertain. You're there to inspire. So this show is not for us. It's like for us to give back and tell people, you know, that they should believe in themselves because if us, if if, if two knuckleheads like me and you can create a radio what? show that can be inspirational. Why I got to be a knucklehead? I mean that. It, okay. The, well, one genius and one knucklehead, me being a knucklehead, can jump <laughs> and create a show. Right. And then and, and really no BS. I can anticipate, you know, everybody from like, you know, uh, whether you're Republican or Democrat, whether you're a country star or a hip hop star. I can see us, you know, having very uh, intellectually driven conversations with a whole gambit of people, you know, in the future. You know what I'm saying? They're going to start within people don't realize they're going to start in the next few weeks. 
Um, I, I just now started a new project, too, with my guys who won the Grammy for the movie um, Chicago, but they also worked on albums as far back as Tupac to J-Lo to Flo Rida to all kinds of people, right? And they have a new animation project, so I'm coming in to write on that. But those guys are going to come onto our show, and they're going to speak about these amazing artists that they've worked with that people know about, you know, the guys who have worked with everybody from Mary J. Blige to this one to that one. They'll call in, and then we'll have a couple of celebrities call in, too, and then before you know it, people are going to be like, oh, the breakdown. And we'll be like, really? Because you weren't saying that episode one. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But they can go back to episode one and see that, you know, we were honest with it. We were saying, hey, listen to us go step by step. We went to practice. We had our game days. And I sit here fully confident knowing that those days are on our way because those people, like, you know, we have friends, you know. We have friends in the business. We have friends who appreciate our talent. We have friends who will call in and not talk to us, but talk to our listeners sharing their story of how they succeeded. So I don't see why the show wouldn't grow. You'd have to be, like, even if you just turned our show on and did your homework or turned our show on and use it as noise in the background while you're drawing something, your next masterpiece or writing. I know when I, I work, I tend to have background noise on that I pick up on, you know what I'm saying? I think this show is perfect for that. So if you have a nine-to-five and then you're trying to think of a way to get out your nine-to-five, this is a show that you put on in the background to give you some ideas and give you some intellectual fire so that you can get out that nine-to-five. Or if you're in that nine-to-five trying to move up, this is that show that you put on in the background before you go to sleep so you can go back into work the next day and play around with the corporate uh, politics, the hierarchy and the ladder, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I think of this show like for a person like my sister who's been in, she worked for MGM for seven years, and now she's been in Sony for the next eight. And she's worked under the CFO of each damn studio. And I look at her, that's like 14, 15, 16 years of work, working under CFOs of studios. That job is crazy. But she gets up in the morning and she figures out ways to um, get that fire. And she already appreciates this show. She's like, this show, you know, Definitely helps with that because she knows me that I'm the entrepreneur in the family. Like, I really, really, really an entrepreneur. So where she's worked for the studios for 16 years, I think in the last 20 years, I probably worked for myself the last 16 to 20 years. You get what I'm saying? So the fire is the fire is there. But So I think that anybody who's either trying to stay in the 9 to 5, trying to figure out a way out of a 9 to 5, you know, you want that energy, you want that fire, you want that truth. You listen to a show like this, just put it on in the background. It's going to be great. And plus, we'll, have, we'll be fun. We'll bring on the celebrities to talk about, you know, their successes and, 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 and what they've done. And, and we'll bring on all kinds of different people. So I think um, I, have great, I have great hopes for this show, great aspirations for it. As I sit back and I think about the day and I think about this amazing partner of mine, Sharifa Hardy. Oh, that is so wonderful. And you talk about the successes. Let's go back to your successes. We were talking about your career. When did you decide mm-hmm. to go from being in front of the camera to behind the camera, and why? Well, that's a good question, and that's an easy question. I saw these things called computers on set, and I, I was ignorant. I thought the film was cut, like, in some small room in the dark or in the red with a red light, and you had some scissors, and then that's where Steven Spielberg was cutting Jaws. And then I saw these laptops and computers on the set, and I was like, what are they here for? I thought people were, like, sending emails doing weird things. They're like, oh, no, we're about to edit. And I said, edit what? They're like, the film. I said, oh, you should have never told me that. Because, remember, my background was in, you know, technology. So the minute computer, I saw that computers 
were really, and I should have known better too. That was me being ignorant because at that particular moment in time, you know, Jurassic Park had already come out. You know, I already knew the CG was in film, but I thought the CG was like these monstrosities. And they are. I mean, computer farms, I guess, are monstrosities, computing power. But I didn't really take heed to the fact that, you know, people were running around with a few computers doing some amazing things. Um, places like Industrial Light and Magic, places that touch things like Star Wars, these are like geeks that get down and they do their thing and they do their thing with, uh, with you know, green screen and, and they do their thing with, you know, puppeteering and animatronics and all kinds of fun stuff. There's a lot of just geekiness in Hollywood. These are, when I look at Hollywood, I think of a lot of guys who just never really grow up. But what had me go from in front of the camera to behind the camera was looking at the um, – looking at the computer, and I'm, I'm a big fan of the computer, and then all of a sudden um, beginning to create and realizing that uh, my nature is to create and be able to help a lot of people. In front of the camera, you can help yourself, and I guess help people if it's your production. I do believe that Dwayne The Rock helps a lot of people because he's in front of the camera and he's executive producing. But I, don't, I just saw you know editing and writing and producing. I fell in love with a lot of that pretty quickly. Mm. And you still find the time to be a business consultant. Well, yeah, I mean, and you know the funny thing is, I translated my consulting into producing. So whereas now, you know how you'll consult, like you know how you have many, many clients? I have many, many mm-hmm. producers, producers who call me. And so I'm still consulting. As a producer, I consult the same way. I have people call me, like just like uh, last night. You know, I had my guys from The Wire or my guys from like BT's A New Edition Story. They'll hit me and say, hey, um, we have this project. Uh, can you put together the synopsis and the other? And can we put together X, Y, and Z? That's consulting the same way because now I'm coming in as a producer to consult the project to get it to like you know, to to get it to be financed. You know, tomorrow I'm in what finance meetings or I'm with producers uh, working to get their projects financed. I got partners of mine who have been on hit shows looking to create hit shows. So I'm coming in to what produce. But to me, that's producing as a consultant. Because I'm coming in to consult my guys and get they go take it from idea to now a pitchable format. And even when I'm looking at my guys who uh, won the Grammy for you know for films, this any other, I'm coming in to write. But that's also consulting the project to take it to a certain level. So I just kind of like just transformed my consulting days as a techie from some of the largest firms in the U.S. to now just having things geared for studios. So. Consulting is now kind of like producing for me. Mm. Yep. All, there... I did, all I did was redefine myself. I just redefined. I said, I'm no, I'm no longer techie Marv, but I'm still techie Marv, but now I'm producing Marv. So it's been an interesting journey. What is one of your favorite projects to have worked on? I know you discussed um, the Marvin Gaye um, story, mm-hmm. but you also worked mm-hmm. with a lot of different um people within entertainment, uh, like caches mm-hmm. and so what are, mm-hmm. what are some of your favorite projects that you, or people that have worked with? One of the coolest things I think I ever did, I did, did, and this just goes to people believing yourself. One of the coolest things that I think I ever did is I worked with some security guards for Sony, no BS. And let me tell you something, these two knuckleheads, and I say knuckleheads very endearing them to them because they were geniuses what they did. They worked a certain gate at Sony Studios to where the main theatrical heads came through their gate every day to go to work. So they built up a rapport over years. Then they pitched them a movie, and the movie got greenlit. That's perfect. It's all, Hollywood's a who-you-know business. So think the security guards 
mess around, and because they see the same people day after day after day coming through their gate, they are allowed to get a pitch meeting, and they pitch a damn movie. The movie was good times, by the way. So anyway, oh, wow. these, yeah, these guys come to me to say, hey, um, let's go sit down with the head of Sony Television. At the time, his name was Steve Mosco. And let's go pitch some things. And in getting to work with these guys, I want to say I'm a knucklehead so bad, but with these guys, um, I start work, working with another producer, and I wrote a couple things because now the, the now now they're kind of like sought after, so they're they're trying to you know uh, please everybody and and provide information here and there. And in writing a couple of uh, projects, they brought to me, uh, which I believe Sony is still working on, The Last Dragon Number Two. This Last Dragon too, so they they I, I gave them a couple of ideas, and this is where life gets crazy. In me just writing a couple of things and a couple of synopsis, um, those projects got over to um, this guy named Ira at Davis Entertainment. Now Ira at Davis Entertainment, people might not know who or what that is, but Davis Entertainment. Are, are the team of the folks who do, they handle the Predator franchise, amongst other things, like the TV show The Blacklist. So one of the coolest things was to see a couple of writing efforts turn into me standing right in front of the Predator statue by the people who, do, who, who handle the Predator franchise. And I love the Predator franchise. So sitting down with them, with them having nothing but high accolades for my work and moving things forward, those are some of the coolest things that happen. And when I mentioned that, that didn't necessarily turn into a project per se, but it turns into like, you know, that's kind of like work that's kind of like, you know, out of the blue working with these producers. Then all of a sudden your work is being passed kind of like a mixtape. Then before you know it, you're in these offices and those offices. That's exactly how I got to sit with David Madden, the head of Fox Television. It was just pretty much work being passed. Now, of course, things like Marvin Gaye or things like the actual, like, you know, projects that we're working on, you know, that that turns into like, you know, the, those things turn into, um, you know, your actual physical projects when you're like, oh, wow, look, look, look at how this turned into that. That's pretty amazing. But I always I'm always interested in how, like, you know, a piece of work can take you from one level to the next. Another example of that is how you mentioned Cassius. I remember Cassius challenged me to write a script and I wrote a script in a couple of days and then I handed it to him. But he handed that same script to Mark Kenton's reader. And this was when, right when I think the Immortals had dropped. And I'm a big fan of Mickey Rourke. So all of a sudden, Mark Kenton was like, because um, Cassius gave the work to Mark, Mark's reader. Mark got a hold of it. And then Mark was like, well, you know, you like to direct. Why don't you direct the promo for Immortals for China with Mickey Rourke? And I thought Mark was lying. I was like, uh, what? How, how is one thing that I wrote going to turn into me directing Mickey Rourke? And that's what happened, like, two, three weeks later. Mark shows up to our studio in a limo with Mickey Rourke, and all of a sudden, Mickey Rourke's in, in, in the room, and we have lights, camera, action on Mickey Rourke for the Immortals promo for China. So it's funny how work can, work can get passed from A to B, and then before you know it, you know, this person or that person is here, and, uh, and there you are. I think one of the coolest things that happened in 2016 is I produced um, with the Sal Benford, I produced um, on, the Mar on the Michael Jackson tribute, and we had the Jackson brothers, we had Neo, we had Rick Ross, Maggie Johnson, Christina Milian. They were all on stage, and I was a producer on the show. It was funny because I was over there telling Maggie Johnson what to do in a very nice way. Um, but that was just work being passed, and before I know it, I'm on stage as a producer putting together a show in front of 7,000 people, and even though it was a music-based show, 
I was very proud of my artwork and all kinds of things flying into a Michael Jackson tribute, especially with the brothers being there performing like a lot of songs from the Victory Tour. So, you know, I, it's, it's when you see work going from A to B, from B to C, and I'm very humble and organic with just let me just create the work and see where it goes. That's why I tell our listeners, like, you know, I can't tell anyone which way to go. I do believe there's going to be many accolades coming our way, not only my way, but for you and myself. But that's only because we go to work and we show for practice and we're honest and we try to do better. And I know every day I sit in my lab trying to, trying to better myself. Um, you know my work. I, if anybody knows me, go look at my Instagram or my social media, my Facebook, and I promise you, you're going to see some of my work, and it's going to have nothing to do with Marvin Gaye. It's going to have nothing to do with nothing. It's going to just be some stuff that I'm working on, some creativity, and it's going to be some – it's going to be practice, if you will. You know what I'm saying? And I know I just today I uploaded something. I uploaded uh, – I forgot what it was. But I uploaded something, and um, and uh, it uh, – what the heck did I upload? And it was good. I uploaded something. <laughs> I uploaded something crazy. And, 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 oh, all it was, oh, you know what it was? It was from Dr. Um, uh, Doctor Strange, a Marvel character. And they have this, um, they have this, uh, they have this special effect. It's, um, it's a CG effect. It's, uh, uh, it's, uh, um, it's, uh, uh, what is it? It's, uh, it's that little circle sparky thing where you can jump in between, oh, it's, it, you can jump in between dimensions through this, like, you know, spinning, sparks type of situations that I built. And um, I just built it with my logo in the middle, and I felt it because I got inspired by Dr. Strange. And I'm actually going to do some more art like that because in Dr. Strange, he has a couple of things to where he's dealing with um, a couple of different um, CG elements that I like. And there's one really cool effect, matter of fact, in Dr. Strange, even though it's a Marvel movie, I'm going to borrow it. I'm going to put it into one of my horror films because I like it a lot. It's kind of like this, there's, a, there's a point in the film where his teacher – she hits him in the chest, and then all of a sudden he has his soul, he has an out-of-body experience, you know, in between dimensions. So I'm going to borrow that for a horror film because I like it a lot. So I'm, going to, I'm giving a, a part of one of the horrors away. There's going to be a moment, I promise you, in a hallway where something's going to happen and somebody's going to, their soul is going to leave their body in the hallway because I've already figured out the shot, and then the soul is going to come right back into the body. So, yep, that's where we're going. We about to have some fun. Wow, that that's a lot. A lot of information. So what are what are yeah. some of the things that aside from those projects we can look forward to from you? Well, I know that um you know, I don't I this this year has been an interesting year so far because I don't know if you ever feel like a Sharifa, but you know when you get to a point in your career to where like the first eight, nine years of my production company, a lot of, that's a lot of learning and a lot of blood, sweat and tears and a lot of you know, saying you can do something and hoping you can like kind of deliver, and you're smart. You're smart enough to spend late nights figuring stuff out. You know, but now, mm-hmm. like this, this next seven, eight years for me, I look at it like you know, so much has been learned, and so much has been gained, and so much has been achieved so far that I look at it like that. I'm not, I'm not having to like convince like I used to before. So now when people call me, it's kind of like, oh, I already know we can really knock stuff out. I already know we can really start knock stuff out. But I know that at the same time, it's going to be even bigger and better. Like right now, I'm over here playing with effects from Godzilla, from Marvel, from Doctor Strange, from certain things. And I really do look forward to like the next level. What I'm really looking for, I think, this year is to have me and you, you know, in the clan, you know, we're out at probably at Sony Pictures or Universal, uh, Universal Studios or Paramount, and we're doing our premieres. You know what I'm saying? 
So that's going to be cool. I don't know if I'm going to jump and fly over to the Philippines. The, 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 the consulate general from the Philippines and those guys, they want us to fly over to uh, – to uh to um to the Philippines for um for the movies that we're putting together, you know. But did I say the consul general? I'm really meant to say the head of the Chamber of Commerce. Where did I get him from? The um some of the guys from the Philippines on a political tip, they want us to fly over to the Philippines for the dropping of um, whatever movies, you know, Bhutanding or whatever. And the funny thing is with us doing Bhutanding and remastering Bhutanding, I think there's two other films we're gonna to touch. So I look at this year and the next year as as um, as films dropping, as projects going to Netflix, as you know working still under Sony and Fox um, to create projects uh, that are going to go to big network. This is a lot right now. There's just a lot that we can touch, you know. And there's no excuses for anybody. Even if you're starting out today, today's your day one. You know, I, I'm very inspired and excited for people starting in entertainment because there's a lot you can do. You don't even have to mess with a network. You can go right to YouTube, and there's great models of success going from an online platform into, like, a subscription-based, advertising-based, VOD-based. There's, 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 there's great models out there for you to just try. So for us, you know, we'll hit a couple theaters this year. We'll, we'll hit a couple international theaters this year. We're going to even hit the Middle East this year with theaters. So um, that's what I can expect. Wow. Do you plan on having any of your actors or your team or producers as guests on the breakdown? Of course. I already have. I already have. Um, I got guys who um, who are really cool, like really cool actors. Um, I got one of my guys who's up for Emmy nomination, Emmy considerations. I got guys who have won Grammys and da 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 um, major producers who produce major shows. I even have international guests. I got, like, I call him the George Clooney of the Middle East, a guy named Megid. Um, I remember one of our first movies we did, We, um, I wrote it, he was in it, and right after that, the producers who were also working, they worked on The Passion of the Christ. Um, they, they, E! Entertainment, um, the Middle East, picked up the, the, the story real quick and they ran with the movie because he's like a big deal out there. Um, you know, I work with people like Eric Roberts and all kinds of people. So I, I look at, I look at, I look at, I look at, I look at bringing on the people that we've worked with. All I wanted to do was make sure that we came to practice, that we had game day. Um, it's effortless. It's fun. It's giving back. Um, it's me and you giving two people. Uh, which I think we should because we have a wealth of information. And not only that, we know how to create stuff out of thin air. So I'm always listening to people who know how to create stuff out of thin air because if you can have an idea and then turn it into a way to monetize it, you know, that's the way you kind of like live your dream. You get what I'm saying? Uh, so, Absolutely. Yeah, when I look at The Rock, The Rock didn't have, you know, he was broke at a point. I have a buddy of mine. His name is Corey Hardrick. Tia's um, husband from Tia and Tamara's sister, sister. And Corey, he has an interesting story. I think that boy came out of here from Chicago with nothing more than like $68 in his pocket. You know, then he would go on, you know, act in major films. You know, I mean, Corey, I remember being around Corey when Corey was kind of at a little bit of a lull. Then all of a sudden, he had people like, you know, Clint Eastwood chasing him for like American Sniper and, you know, doing this, like, you know, working with like, you know, I think it was Johnny Depp and Warm Bodies and, Corey would just go boom, boom, pow. And, uh, but when you come here from Chicago with a few dollars in your pocket and then you marry one of the sister, sister girls 
and you go on and have Clint Eastwood chasing you, I'm going to have Corey on the show. I mean, people like that that <laughs> can really give – no, I mean, the, the average person cannot come from another state. Well, let alone you can people can barely come from Fresno into L.A. You get what I'm saying? Let alone Chicago. You get what I'm saying? And all of a sudden, I have another bu- a buddy of mine. His name is Deshaun. This little this dude, I used to pick him up all the time. We would go play basketball together. And now he's doing amazing things in music. I have another buddy of mine, Nathaniel. His record label's taken off. So it's like, and all these guys, you see them at different phases of their life, you know. I would love to get people like Flo Rider or Devontae from Josie on the show and all kinds of stuff, and they can tell their stories and this, this, this. But, um, you know, whether we, we, we'll probably get like, you know, the Tigers and the Snoops. I know I, we, have, we have great relationships in the Snoops camp. And I, I, the, the reason I want these shows to live, like we're building them right now, is so that, you know, when the artists listen or when people listen, they can see that we came from an authentic, uh, a true place. Like we weren't BSing nobody. We're not. We're not lying. This, this show is for people to really get inspired and then listen to people besides even Marvin and Sharifa uh, tell their story of how to become successful. And like I said, this is, to me, I wish there was a – to me, this show, one reason why I like doing it is because I wish I'd have had this show in the beginning of my production company because I would have put this show on. This show right here, I would have put this show on in the background and just heard us say nothing about nothing or something about something. You see what I'm saying? Because I would have picked up gems along the way, and that's what I'm hoping that we can pro- we can provide. I know I I created my production company of talking to just talking to a few people and listening to a couple of key words they said, and they shaped my production company, um, and they shaped my career. So if we can do the same thing for other people, except we're doing it every day, we're going to shape a lot of brand new careers, and I I totally one thousand percent believe that. What are what were some of those gems that shaped your production studio? Uh, well, the first thing was don't be afraid to take on projects that seem bigger than you, because the client knows who they're hiring. You know how sometimes you can say, "Oh man, this project is too tough," or "We don't really know how to do that." The client is looking at you up and down. They know what you can do. You get what I'm saying? So if they see enough work come out of you and they see enough examples and they believe you can do it, plus maybe you're giving them a great price point, you take on the project and you learn and you grow. You don't want to be at the same place. You know, I'm a firm believer that, you know, greatness is created out of, like, you know, you being uncomfortable. You know, you got to acknowledge being uncomfortable and use that as an energy to move to the next level. I don't like being complacent. That's why another reason I'm doing this show. This show is not the best thing for my schedule, I don't believe. In terms of, I already have a, I already have a packed schedule like you do. So a nine o'clock show, it creates a level of uncomfort that is also going to create another layer of our success. It's going to push us uh, onto another plateau, another step. I mean, because of this show, we get media credentials, we get this, we get that, we get to do things that I wasn't even doing because we didn't have a radio show. Right. You know. I yeah. Agree. So we get, to, we so get, we'll, you know, we get do some great things. I agree. So we get, coming down to the last few minutes of the show. We do have a caller who has a question or a comment for us. Caller, are you on? Yes, I am. Hello. Who do we have on the How phone? How may we assist you? Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this is Rashid Jordan. Sharif's hey, dad. Hey, Sharif's dad. I just want to, as always, congratulate my daughter. You know, I'm just so proud of her. That that don't even have to be said. But she's definitely going to another level. 
I want to congratulate you too, bro. I, you know, I listened for the whole show, and I told oh, me that you might be the incarnation of her uncle, and, and, and we'll have another conversation on that. But I can hear him <laughs> and, and his creativity and his ideas because him and I just <laughs> have some deep conversations. But right. the point is, you gave us so, you gave us so much beautiful inspiration and information. It's going to take time. I'll leave you with one if you haven't heard it before I give it because someone gave it to me. I'm not where I was in life. I'm not where I want to be, but I'm on my way. Y'all are on your way. When I grew up, we didn't have this. We had the, you might know about them. We had Jocko and uh, uh, Mary Kay and a few others. that was on the radio, you know, but they gave mm-hmm. up what they had to give up. They they couldn't talk right. freely, like you you know right. what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. There was a few mm-hmm. ideas trying to drop drop some things that there was, you know, information outside of totally commercial. But mm-hmm. hang on in there. That's that's my message. Just hang on in there. It's like a snowball. It's gonna grow. You already know that. That's right. One more thing, if you don't mind. I don't generally do this on the public, but if people are listening, I hope they should be listening. More should be listening, and it will. You know, every time mm-hmm. I see it, I try mm-hmm. to share. And mm-hmm. and that's the thing, like you said earlier. Uh, you know, when you blow up, then, oh, everybody, uh, where was you back in the day? You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. But this happened, exactly. man. I'm going to shut my mouth, but I just want to ask you, what sign are you if I'm asked? I'm a Libra. Okay. Great. <laughs> we'll talk about I that another time like, too. We'll talk about that another huh? time. I didn't even know that was a good or I didn't know if that was a good or bad thing. I was like, I'm a leader. Oh no, it's like, all good. It's, oh, okay. it's always to the good. Great. I don't I, bad don't even really, really exist in my equation. Negativity I right. X that out. So you know what I mean? Uh, you know, I algebra I that out. You know. I was finding the, the silver lining in anything, man. I don't care what it is. Mm-hmm. Kept, I, I was looking at the people talking about and I lost everything. It was terrible. You didn't lose your life. That guy had hurt. You know what I'm saying? You got to find the silver line. But I'm shutting my mouth. Very God true. bless y'all. Continue on. I ain't going to say I'm going to hear y'all on every show. But, I, you know, yeah. I will support you anywhere I can. Um, oh, I appreciate uh, you so much. Thank you. My, you're welcome. Thank you, Dad, for calling in. Marvin, go ahead and call out great. the show. Yes, All I know is that I feel very, you know what? I was thinking, I was tracking us having, like, people calling in and, like, you know, a few more days and stuff. But I feel very humbled and very appreciative that your dad called in and shared that. And then he asked, even he even went as so far as asking the sign of Marvin Williams, Libra. I don't know what that's going to entail. I don't even know how that fits in the equation. But the point is, you know, there's somebody listening and hopefully, you know, people aren't listening <laughs> today. They're going to be able to go back to this podcast and enjoy themselves. And you hear that energy I told your daddy? you yesterday, like, though. Hey. Yes, I told you mm-hmm. yesterday, though, we, we, we over here saving the world, and they have their own questions, you know, so it, it, it's entertaining. <laughs> it, 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 it's fun. So we are going to close out this show. We will be back tomorrow at the I same time. Make sure yes, we will. tell a friend, text a friend, post it, tweet it. They better. You're on Instagram. I just got on IG. I'm like, hey, I'm finally here. So visit our website at thebreakdownradioshow.com. Until tomorrow, it is Sharifa Harmony and Marvin Williams. Stay blessed, y'all.